posting on Facebook Live first today. That's a first. We're still waiting for YouTube to come in. We are uh, uh, creating all sorts of firsts right here, ladies and gentlemen. The very first time that we've been on Facebook Live before YouTube. YouTube's having a little trouble coming on, as a matter of fact. It's just spinning round and round and round. And I think there's an internet connection issue there. Are we on Comedy Schools Radio Network.com? We're on two out of three. And you know what? Right now, that's good enough for me. Um, we'll welcome the YouTube people in a moment. Uh, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads, children of all persuasion. You're watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Vizic. I am a, a Tony Vizic. I come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. Mountain Standard Time. Uh, and I am your, uh, you know what, I totally lost track. Let me start over. I didn't lose it because I was, I'm, I'm watching, you know what's happening? Is I'm still watching the circle go round and round on the computer where YouTube's supposed to be. It's going, and it says going live, and it's not going live. So that distracted me for a moment. We come to every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time or Pacific Time or Arizona Time. Uh, it's 2 o'clock where I am. It is whatever time it is where you are. We are your daily distraction while the anger, anxiety, and hoopla going on in the world today. Uh, we are on uh, three platforms, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com, our flagship internet-based radio station, our podcast, if you're under 50, uh, YouTube and the Comedy Schools channel, although we're having difficulties with that today, and um, uh, here on Facebook Live, where many of you are beginning to pop up. Uh, the show's built around three things, interaction with you, uh, any questions or comments that you post, primarily on Facebook Live, but on the other two platforms. And uh, some uh, trinket or memorabilia, uh, some uh, uh, autograph, some memento I have laying around here in the home office that I share with you and possibly weave a story around. Uh, and also I recommend uh, two artists are pieces of music based on my vast vinyl album collection. And I will tell you something, as far as this vinyl album uh, uh, recommendations that we've been doing, um, right now... About three feet from me is a stack of albums that comes up to about, uh, I'm going to say about three or four feet high. And it represents every album we've talked about so far. And unfortunately, when we first started, I mixed some in of albums I've talked about and haven't talked about. So this afternoon, uh, Shirley and I were going through them. Have we uh, talked about this artist? Have we talked about this album? Yeah, we talked about this album. We haven't talked about this artist. So, um, but I think I got it squared away. I think I'm squared away. Um, I didn't do much today. Uh, last night, I had a uh, really kind of pleasant free intro, uh, lightly attended, okay, and our, that workshop doesn't start till August 6th anyway, but lightly attended, but it turned out that uh, one of the people that were there, that we have a mutual friend, and I've actually um, shown his... Um, uh, Autograph football. I have a couple of autograph footballs. One's Dan Minucci, uh, who's a really um, uh, well-known sportscaster here in town, who was one of the replacements during the uh, the NFL strike way back in the 80s. Uh, also, Doug Plank, the old Chicago Bear, the tight end for the uh, Chicago Bears. Uh, great guy. Became a personal friend of mine many years after he had retired. Gave me an autograph football. Supposedly, the football that he gave me was uh, the last pass Joe Namath through a Monday Night Football and Doug intercepted it. And I now have that ball. Well, it turns out the guy 
who uh, one of the guys who came to the intro last night actually knew Doug personally. So we had some fun as I held the football up and he took a picture of it and he just sent it to Doug. So uh, Phoenix is a small town. It truly is. Uh, a lot of people but a small town. And uh, I'm glad for all the connections I'm able to make here. Um, what am I going to show you today? So that's all that I've done. Okay, besides be totally unprepared for this show today. And why am I so unprepared for this show? Because I was dealing with business all morning. And right now dealing with business is just crazy. Especially if you're a small entrepreneur uh, like I am slash we are. You know, keeping business going and then all the paperwork, the mounting paperwork, the constant uh, changing back and forth of programs and policies uh, can be a little daunting. And I've literally turned this chair around from the desk that's behind me to face you guys. So I'm still trying to get my head from payroll and uh, unemployment tax and is this uh, facility going to be open? Will we go back and do a live in-person shows at this facility? Uh, can we uh, function under the uh, guidelines that they've currently put up? So, uh, you know, one of the problems right now as well, that if you tell anybody your situation, you go, well, I don't know if I'm going to be able to function as a business with that contract in regards to your uh uh, your company or your facility, they could they just come back with, well, there's a pandemic. We're all suffering. But a lot of them aren't suffering. Okay? And I hope you're not suffering. But today is dedicated to the small entrepreneurs. The small entrepreneurs who are trying to make a living online, who are trying to sell things online, whether it's homemade masks, or foodstuffs, or insurance salesmen, yoga teachers, Karate teachers, ballet teachers, acting coaches, mentors, everybody who's trying to make a living online. Everybody who did not get to avail themselves uh, to up almost $1,000 a week if you were in California, six, seven, eight hundred $800 even in Arizona where unemployment is, uh, the unemployment payout is abysmal, you know, which you get weekly if you get uh, if you become unemployed. This is dedicated to all of you today. I have found a way to make it through all of this. Let's be honest, for some of us, there in those uh, last two weeks of March, we didn't know how we were going to survive, but we have. We've made it. Damn it, we've made it. Looks like we've made it so far. But I dedicate this show to you today. Uh, I don't know. Um uh, for instance, like the PayPal Protection Act, uh, the PPP, which helped a lot of people. It helped us. Okay. Uh, but they're not extending loans to businesses that are starting now. And I think that we all need to write to our representatives, even if it's just a text, even if it's on their Facebook page, and go to the PPP, which still has billions of dollars in it that no one has accessed yet, even with all the fraud and mismanagement and abuse that's been reported. But the PPP, you know, wealthy people, large corporations, churches, uh, all getting that money, uh, tax-exempt places getting that money. Uh, there's still billions left. They've extended to August, and I think they need to extend it to newly formed businesses this year. So if you formed your business in April and you went, okay, we're going to start selling uh, Ray's Hot Pies online. We're going to deliver them. We're starting this business in April. Or we're going to start Jim Bob's Yoga and Beer Class, a Southern Yoga class where you also get to drink beer while you're doing the Downward Dog. I think that guy, if he started his business a month ago, 
should be able to get a PPP loan. He should be able to get one. Now, I'm going to write to my representative out here, Tom Halloran, who uh, I just voted for in the primary once again. Uh, I'm going to write to him and tell him that I think that there needs to be a bill introduced saying if someone started a business right in the middle of the pandemic, that they should be eligible for a PPP loan. Am I might say, is it three P's? PPP. Who's down with PPP? Well, not the people who started a business uh, last weekly. I, that's a terrible rhyme. God, that sucked. Okay, let's get to this stuff. Um, you know what I got. You know what I got. You know what I'm going to hold up. You know what it is. I don't have to show it to the YouTube people today. Cheryl, can you see if you can do something with that? Because it's just spinning. Okay, I don't even know if we need to go on YouTube. But here we go. Facebook friends, ComedySchoolsRadioNetwork.com. I am showing Facebook Live. Yes. God help us. Another bobblehead. This happens to be uh, Robbie Ray. And that's a good name. Robbie Ray. And it's a well put together bobblehead. It's solid. Uh, nice work on the beard there. Okay. There's some texture to it. The baseball, it's well painted. Look at the shoes as opposed to the uh, shirt, uh, pants, the stripe. Everything is done very, very well. This is one of the newer bobbleheads where the head is not uh, demonstrably larger than the body. Uh, and I don't know what was the ethic behind changing those. This was given out on by Sprint. Or anyway, the little thing in front of it says Sprint. Even behind, look at that. Even got the little, uh, the little rubber on the mound. I think it's kind of cool. So front and back, this is well put together. The insignia on the shoulder. It's all cool. But here's the cool thing about this one. I guess Robbie Ray, and I should have looked it up and I didn't. Uh, was a strikeout king, and you've actually got a counter here that actually moves. So I guess as you, if you had this bobblehead when it came out and you were watching Robbie Ray, you could raise or lower the number of strikeouts he got. So that's a nice little extra piece. So one time bobbleheads were just bobbleheads. You know, giant head, little body, you know, uh, kind of a, oftentimes a poor representation of the individual. Uh, these are really well put together. Now, I don't collect bobbleheads. But if I were, everything I just said is what I would say about bobbleheads. Let's see. My numbers are a little crooked there. There we go. I got it at 303. I don't know how many strikeouts he's had. I don't know if anybody wants to look it up. But there he is. Another piece in our non-collection of bobbleheads, which is, um, it's getting the fuck out of hand. I got to be honest with you. The number of bobbleheads we have. Uh, hey, a couple things coming up I want to share with you. Uh, if you ever thought about doing stand-up comedy, uh, next Tuesday, next Tuesday, Mountain Standard Time, 6 p.m., I'll be doing a free intro for my stand-up comedy workshops. Uh, the meeting uh, code and password and link will all be on ComedySchools.com late tonight, so you might want to check that out. Also, we are starting August 6th. I got a smile for the thumbnail again. There. That, I didn't even... So YouTube started, and when Shirley turned around and said, smile for the thumbnail... I smiled, okay, and now I'm trying to turn YouTube on, and we'll see, it's just spinning round and round and round, round and round she goes. You know what, I, you know what the issue is, is that uh, we're live, we're live now, huh? What'd you ask me? Yes. Okay. Shirley, did you change your Google account? Every once in a while, you got to change your passwords when your wife has them, I think, not because you do anything wrong, just to keep her on her toes. All right? But then when you do that, you can't access anything because you don't remember them and she does. So uh, anyway, hello, YouTube. We're live. We've already shown everybody the bobblehead. Here, I'll show it to you. It's Jake Lamb. The cool thing is it's got a counter on the end that actually moves. There you go. That's all you get. Um, this Sunday night, ladies and gentlemen, this Sunday night at 7 p.m. Pacific time, Arizona time, 
we present, Tony Vizic presents Sunday Night's Funnier. Uh, if you're looking for something that's brand new, something you haven't seen, something that wasn't made a long time ago and is now being rolled out as new, something that's immediate and live, that's the comedy show you want to check out. Okay, you definitely want to check out that show. All right, it uh, has uh, Shale Brenner, a very funny comedian. Uh, also, Randy Ioma and um, Bob, 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 David John. Okay, along with me and other guests will be added as the week goes by. Get those tickets by going to my Facebook page. It's on there, Tony Visick, or go to ComedySchools.com and click Get Tickets. And where it says All-Star Show, you click that. You will see a funny show Sunday night. You will see something brand new that has never been presented before. Okay, let's get to the music, because the music matters. And I have a, somewhat of a connection to this album, okay? So uh, here we go. This was a monster album in the late 80s. This is Don Henley's End of the Innocence. And this album, the Eagles had broken up by then. They were no longer together. Uh, but this sounded, this had such the ethic of the Eagles, yet the lyrics were just stunningly good. Uh, side one had Boys of Summer, uh, You Can't Make Love, Man with a Mission, You're Not Drinking Enough, Not Enough Love in the World. So the big hit off uh, side one, of course, was Boys of Summer. Massive hit. Side two was uh, Build the Perfect Beast. All She Wants to Do is Dance. Another huge hit. Okay. Uh, Sunset Grill and uh, Driving with Your Eyes Closed and Land of the Living. So two huge hits off of uh, Henley's Boys, uh, Don Henley's uh, self-titled solo album, Boys of Summer and Last Worthless Evening. You're not going to be honest with you. Uh, what's that? Sunset Grill, yeah. Oh, what did I say? Last Worthless Evening? Um, no, Last Worthless Evening was not on here. So it's because I'm uh, <coughs> I'm confusing this album with uh, End of the Innocence. I'm screwing up big time today. But uh, this was a great album. Okay, this was one of Don uh, Henley's solo efforts. It had two massive hits that oftentimes people confuse with Eagle songs: Boys of Summer and Sunset Grill. Uh, let's see who wrote these songs. Uh, yeah, Mike Campbell worked on uh, worked a lot on this album. Mike Campbell worked a whole lot on this album. Uh, Mike Campbell was lead guitarist for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And on both this album and End of the Innocence, Mike Campbell was a uh, important, extremely important part of uh, creating the uh, record. I'm trying to look here. I'm going to see in a moment. Uh, we've got everything here detailed here. Uh, -da -da -da. this album was produced by Don Henley, Danny Korchmore, and Greg Landy. It was mixed by Greg Landony. Um, yeah, I didn't know anybody involved with this particular album. Here's the crazy thing is that, uh, this album was made in Los Angeles. I don't have, uh, but a lot of times now, well, you realize if you're ever in Hollywood, all right, I'll stop being lost on my own thoughts for a second. If you're ever in Hollywood and you're walking down the street, oftentimes you're walking by the buildings where Magic for Millions was created. Magic for Millions was created. Nondescript buildings, and they make them nondescript because sometimes superstars are in there. Nondescript buildings like Sunset Sound, way down uh, on the eastern part of uh, Sunset Boulevard, a few miles from the Sunset Strip, uh, and other recording studios like that. They're right there on the street. You're walking by, and inside, an artist or a musician or a group of musicians 
was making something that would become the soundtrack of your life. Such it was with the Eagles, who recreated a lot of their stuff. Like, Capitol Records really stands out. The Capitol Records building is an unusually designed building that you notice. But so many of the great recording studios where the music you love was created was made in front of, made inside of nondescript storefronts on Sunset or Santa Monica or, or uh, down near Western Avenue. You know, just nondescript buildings look like nothing. But inside it, inside it, people who love music and who love sound. Uh, and I, I saw one of these built who love music and love sound are painstakingly, okay, making sure that everything in there will be able to give the artist the best sound possible. You know, from uh, the type of wood used on the floors to the molding to the walls to everything so that the sound will just be stunning. And such it was with many of Don Henley's and the Beatles albums. Um, And I thought that that was a great album. It's not as good as End of the Innocence. And I I know the sound engineer in End of of the Innocence, Shelly Yakis. So uh, I don't have that on vinyl. I have it on CD. But if you want to get back in touch with something... Go back to this Don Henley album, uh, Boys of Summer, and listen to Boys of Summer. It's a little poignant, right? even more poignant right now. Uh, and, of course, Sunset Grill, uh, which is kind of a uh, uh, Don Henley being nostalgic for a younger Don Henley uh, when he was just hanging out at, at a place called the Sunset Grill. And I know that place. It's near, um, it's near Grace Avenue, and my brother and I used to live right off of Hollywood Boulevard and Grace Avenue. Sunset Grill is near that, just a few blocks down Hollywood, down to Sunset. And uh, Sunset Grill is just was basically four bar stools out in front of an outdoor, uh, an outdoor hamburger joint, you know. But so many of the great art, and there was a recording studio right near it, and I think Don, that's where Don Henley and the Eagles recorded a lot of stuff, and that's why he was nostalgic for it. Um, the good songs to listen to right now, probably a lot of you are nostalgic for certain things. You know, the problem with nostalgia, the problem with nostalgia is it's fond memories of a time, a place, or events. I already commented on it? Oh, Jerry commented on it. Okay. Um, Yeah, see, I'm not getting all the comments here. Uh, We used to get burgers at the Sunset Grill. Yes, we did, just east of Curson. Yes, we did, and I could be nostalgic for that. Nostalgia is a fond memory of past events that actually removes any of the problems of the time. I first noticed it when I'd be talking to my grandparents, uh, and they'd be talking about music and how much they loved it, and they go, and that song came out in 1943, and we just loved that song. I go, wasn't there a war going on then? I thought talking about, in our time, we didn't have to worry about going out. We just all got chairs and sat in the backyard and sang songs in the 30s ago, wasn't there a major depression? Isn't that why you didn't go anywhere? Because you could barely afford to eat? And they go, yeah, but it was nice music. It was a better time. We oftentimes look on the past as a better time. Okay, sometimes it was, sometimes it wasn't. Oftentimes it's because of the difficulties that we're going through right now are something that we missed during that time. That mistake we made, that person we didn't talk to, Okay, that person we didn't spend time with, that decision we made that didn't work out as well if we'd made another decision. So there's a certain amount of uh, pathos in nostalgia. And I'm as nostalgic as the next next person. I remember the past fondly, although I remember everything about the past. 
Um, and my prediction is three, five, seven, ten years from now, some of us, some of us who survived this, and almost all of us are, will look back on this as a wonderful time when we got to stay home and spend time with the people that we love, that we were sequestered with, and the work that we did, and the appreciation we had for what we have. When this is over and everything revs back up into hyperspeed, the way it was before, we'll kind of miss this simple time. We'll kind of miss it. I know it's kind of hard to believe right now, but we will. All right, let's go to the next uh, piece of music. Uh, here we go. This is uh, Squeeze. All right. Not really my era, not really my generation, okay? But uh, music that I really like. And when I say not my generation, the weird thing is, is most of the music that you really love in life will be music that came out when you were a teenager. Music when you came out when you were a teenager. Now, the squeeze came out when I was in my um, mid to late 20s, early 30s. Uh, and what we got on here is, um, what do we got on here? Nothing good. Uh, in Quintessence, somebody else's heart, tempted, Piccadilly, there's no tomorrow, heaven, woman's world, is that love, F holes, labeled with love, someone else's bell, mumbo jumbo, vanity, and messed, messed around, and tempted, of course, was their big hit, tempted by the fruit of another, and I was positive, but I guess I'm wrong, that Jules Holland was in this band, but he's not. Chris Difford, Glenn Tilbrook, uh, Gilson Lavis, John Bentley, and Paul Karak. So I don't think any of them went on to do anything else after this. Uh, the Squeeze were an interesting band because they were part of uh, uh, what was called New Wave Music. New Wave Music. And most New Wave Music was really, really good. It was really fun, simple, infectious pop. The Squeeze, Blondie. Um, all of, almost all of them came out of a post-punk era, out of a post-punk era. You know, like if you get into power pop, power pop was, uh, oftentimes the bridge between punk and, uh, uh, and what later on became new age or new rock and roll. But new wave music was uh, a move away from a lot of the anger that was, uh, 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 so prevalent in punk rock music into a more infectious, uh, uh, melodious type of music uh it was primarily played when i lived in los angeles on a station called k-rock k-r-o-q and they were the leaders in new wave music and if you wanted to hear the newest and latest sounds that's where you went to k-rock of course i was listening to 95.5 klos where we got all zeppelin all the time but every once in a while i'd switch over to k-rock and go damn it this is pretty good stuff or more to the point is often to the point at first i dismissed it but then on second or third listen, I went, this stuff's pretty good. You know, bands like the Human League, bands like Squeeze, bands like Men at Work, uh, bands like Blondie, they were all part of the new wave movement. What's that? Devo. Devo. Devo is definitely, definitely part of the new wave movement. So we might, we might uh, explore the new wave movement a little bit in the coming days. We start out with Squeeze. If you go back and listen to Tempted, you realize that that would be a good song no matter who did it. I mean, they just, it's, it's just a great tune. Great tune. Great, uh, great chorus. Great hook. Great verses. So I'm recommending, ladies and gentlemen, 
that uh, when you're done listening to me today, uh, put Squeeze in YouTube and start with Tempted and work your way through there. And then, of course, even though, um, you know, End of the Innocence kind of dwarfed Boys of Summer for Don Henley albums. But if you go back and listen to Sunset Grill and Boys of Summer, you realize that Don Henley probably peaked as a singer and songwriter after the, the Eagles' first big initial breakup. He peaked afterwards. And that's why you don't want to stop doing anything. You don't want to stop writing. You don't want to stop performing. You don't want to stop painting. You don't want to stop singing. You don't want to stop dancing. You don't want to quit before the miracle. Because oftentimes you go, I've taken this as far as I can, not knowing that your peak is right around the corner. So ladies and gentlemen, our peak is right around the corner. All right? So take a peek at that. All right, I'm going to wrap it up for today. I got a great uh, advanced workshop tonight starting at 6 p.m. It's one of my favorite nights of the entire week. I get to work with about 20 of the most creative people I've ever come across. I'll be meeting with all of them on Zoom uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. If you think you might want to be involved with something like that, go to ComedySchools.com. You can already sign up for the August 6th uh, beginning stand-up comedy workshop now. Get ahead of the curve in case it fills up. I'm only going to take 10. Um, or uh, later on tonight, I'll have the, um, the information for uh, next week's free intro. So you can check it out before you buy for my producer, it was me, my wife, Shirley Lowe Visick. My name is Tony Visick. I want to thank you for watching Living on a Thin Line. Bye bye.